right? I can't yeah, that's not that's not the usual uh, mo there, Jason. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. My name is Ben. We're here to talk about shooting. You guys know the deal. Everybody comes here with a topic or a thing to talk about. Mr. Park, say hello. Hello. All right, we have somebody new on tonight. Mr. Jason Bradley. Hello. Say hello. All right, so many people will not know who Jason Bradley is. Um, many people will, but many people will not. So, so what's a good way to introduce Jason Bradley? Mm. This isn't well, that hard. Jason's quite solid at shooting. He's a likable guy. Oh, my God. He was second at Carry Optics Nationals. That's pretty noticeable. That's quite maybe. good. So you've been doing very well at Carry Optics, Area 3, Area 4. I mean, you did well at both of those matches, right, Mr. J Mr. Bradley? Yeah. So yeah. Carry Optics. So you're shooting a Canic in Carry Optics, which is pretty interesting. I have, I have handled your guns. You have a very nice trigger in there, sir. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Right. Well, this was, it was a terrible way to introduce. So Jason's one of the best carry optic shooters in the country. That's one of the, that's, that's a good way of putting it. How, mm -hmm. Does that sound good, Joel? I think that's very fair. Jesus. Very right, generous. So, yeah. No, it's well, not generous. You were second at nationals. One of the best. Dummy, of the, that means you're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you are objectively <laughs> one of the best carry optic shooters in the country. If other people don't like that, well, then they just, I mean, maybe America's just not producing good enough carry optic shooters. I don't know. But I feel like you're pretty good, so there we go. All right, so who, who'd like to go first? Anybody? Uh, I can. I have easy okay. stuff to talk about. I have I have a couple show and tells, things oh, to boy. talk about that you guys might find interesting. So Hunter's HD Gold, you guys know them, right? I'm familiar, yep. yes. Brian Conley, like this is the, like Brian goes to a bunch of big matches and I don't know, like every dumb motherfucker you pass is wearing uh, Hunter's HD Gold glasses now. So very aggressive marketing. So these glasses here, if you're listening to the audio rip, I'm holding red lens glasses here. This is something that Hunter's HD Gold sent me. So full disclosure, they sent these to me and these will be coming out in 2021. So what these are is a, uh, a really aggressive red lens that is aimed at the shotgun market. Okay. You guys aren't interested yet. <laughs> right it's like you're not tell me more tell me yeah, more i don't blame all right so there's two there's so i they just sent me these frames with these glasses um i think the frames are quite nice uh they're light and they're they're sensible looking but the 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 glasses are i'm sorry the lens is more interesting than you might think so number one it, it's a transition lens so it darkens up in the sun so that's interesting, and I like that. This is really aggressively color dis distorting, and it really highlights red. So anything red is going to really pop. So I've got questions already. Yes, go ahead. Is that enough to change your fiber color from – you roll with green like I do, uh, normally anyway. Is that enough to switch to red fiber? Maybe. So I was shooting this with a dot. So, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I've been testing these glasses the last couple weeks. Uh, with a with a red dot sight, the, like the red dot – pops off like crazy so i'm using um well anyway like on on my site uh shit the sros what are their five brightness settings there's not that many is that you know jason i, I don't know i don't know the 2.5 uh, that's the MOA, but no, i mean whatever. i mean but i mean I there's know. not that many brightness, brightness settings on on these things 
uh, on my on the optic, and it's like I'm using one brightness setting dimmer to see the dot the same way. Does that make sense? Uh huh. So even seeing like having the the sight be dimmer, it doesn't. Then in theory, like it's you when you're not running the dot as as bright, then you don't have to. You're not going to look to the dot itself as much, or you won't have a propensity to do that. So these I thought were pretty interesting, especially if you're shooting a red dot. They're going to really. I'm not even saying it's good. It's just going to be a really dramatic effect on how colors present themselves. So to give you an option, if that's something you need, like to see the dot better, like you can't see it, then these might be interesting to look at. For iron side shooters, do you think they're as interesting? Well, I mean, if you're shooting a, a red fiber, maybe. I mean, I don't. I don't know. It'd be. It'd be. You'd be choosing between this and the gold. I imagine. Or I, whatever they're, else they're working on, I don't know. But these are pretty. These are pretty aggressive. Interesting. Yes. See, you didn't think it'd be interesting, but I took it to an interesting place. I got another thing some people sent me. So these are target stands from a place named Pivo Sports. They sent these to me, and um, really, these are fairly conventional. So if you're an audio rip person, I'm holding two target stands. They're fairly conventional design. One of them is the H style which is like you just set it on the ground and then stick the sticks in it, the H style. And then the other one is the kind of the cheaper style where you just push um, a bracket into the ground and then that holds target sticks. Like like the real estate signs would be a fair way to say it, like that people would Exactly like that. So that's kind of a cheesy design. I don't love those for matches. But for training, if you have the right type of ground to use, they can be okay. So the interesting thing about these is they're aluminum. So... Yeah, yeah I mean, quite light. Yes, these are super lightweight aluminum, um, like un like unremarkable designs otherwise. But the the made of that material, all right, that's pretty interesting. And then as far as pricing, the the little one is twenty five bucks, and the big one thirty five bucks for the big aluminum one seems like an okay deal to me. To be honest with you, about what Target stands I think run anyway. So yeah, and having fair. it be lightweight aluminum, be like, yep, yeah, that'd be. That'd be a winner as far as I'm concerned. So sign me up for that. So anyway, that was a couple items that people sent in. So, you know, there you go. There's the rundown of that stuff. See, that was easy, right? A fun topic, Joel. That was interesting. Nothing spicy, nothing crazy. <laughs> you never do anything spicy or crazy. Yes, that was very interesting. Yeah. Good work, Ben. Right. All right. What do you got, Joel? Uh, I want to talk about... Uh, an idea I got from Ben. So at our club, we had a bit of a uh, abrupt change in management at our club with no handoff. And so it's like, who's going to be the match director? Uh, it's, I mean, it's a lot to ask one person to do. I'll be frank, I'm not going to be there when it's December or January and it's like zero or it's 10 degrees. Like, I'm just not going to be there. So asking one person to like have a 12 month commitment is a lot or a couple years, whatever. And so uh, in discussing with Ben, he gave me the idea of a rotating match director because he'd seen that work well at other clubs. And in talking that over with the dudes at my club, uh, they were a little skeptical at first, but I got them to go along with it. Um, so here was the steps I took and I, I think it was quite successful. I'm really glad we did it. So basically I was MD for several months to kind of set the expectations established a system as a group that we refined so we kind of got it down to you know like how things should be rolling uh, i created a word document on a shared google drive for our 
committee that basically has all the responsibilities listed of that person, of the MD. So, and I say MD and RM for our club, we do it the same, it's the same person. So it's an easy to follow guideline, which makes their day easier. So it's just a word document. Hey, you'd be the first one there to unlock the shed. Hey, you need to check the stages for the safe angle. You need to check the stages for pass through. Make sure someone does the new shooter meeting. You don't have to be the one to do it, like that kind of stuff. So then someone knows exactly what's expected of them. And that makes it really easy. It's less, you know, like mystical, I suppose. Um, and so uh, I make sure someone signed up to build up the stages like before the match starts. And then I mean, that's it. I just kind of like pretty transparent in how it all goes. And uh, then I'm like, OK, this has been going well for a while. Uh, it's time to start rotating. Who else wants to do this? And uh, we had a well-qualified person. I'll just call him Nigel uh, for the sake of this example. <laughs> <laughs> that knows who this is and uh he can do the job absolutely fine but he just feel more comfortable shadowing me for a match so he hung out with me during setup for a match just explained everything i do showed him it's not that tough he just like walks around as i you know do stuff explain to him what's going on he's already more than capable and uh just gave him a few pointers and then it's like yeah he's comfortable he's ready to be a match director now and then for a, like a different discipline we do pro-am the same thing with that person like you know, that's kind of what's going on. Here's a document. Yep, got it. Somebody else runs Pro-Am, another person for Steel Challenge. So it's been really successful uh, for our club because, I mean, it just, it makes the club better when we have multiple people qualified. And it's not like the show stops. If one person's sick, dog ate my homework, not feeling well, out of town, whatever. So we have multiple people that can fill in. It doesn't rest all on one person's shoulders. Which, I mean, I'll be frank, like doing it three or four months in a row, like I would not want to do that all year, getting burned out, having all that responsibility. So it's been really good because then everybody kind of takes a turn. They help out. And uh, anyway, so I think it was a win. Well, I, I think that's a much better structure, Joel. So do you do you have it where you're set the match director for a quarter or half a year? Or is it just month by month, whoever wants to do it? Month by month with an Excel sheet. It's like, hey, what? And normally, like, they'll take a couple months. So, like, the next guy, oh, I'm good for three months. The other guy, like, yeah, I'll take, you know, Pro-Am for these months. Or I'll take Steel Challenge for this duration, whatever. And then when they're ready to rotate out, somebody else takes a turn. But, like, for, I mean, for Steel Challenge, I think I have maybe four people at my club that, like, could run the match. A, what is it, six stages, I think? Like, Steel Challenge match. There's, like, three or four people that any of those people could competently run the whole thing beginning to end have you guys announced your level two yet uh no is that is that sensitive or can you no 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 we definitely can uh so yeah match director are you match director for that no i am not oh very, very sorry well okay yeah. but we'll so, I mean, a, it is it is, it is it is interesting that even though at, well who's the match director for your level two i believe it'll be alex gack so, like, if that's what's really interesting is you guys still even have, like, a level two match in there, mm -hmm. like, but with a different match director, but you'll have how many other guys, four or five probably throughout the year as match yeah, directors. totally. And then, yes. like, even, uh, I mean, Alex was our match director for our uh, section match we had in, whatever, 2020, and, uh, like, he basically said, like, it doesn't all fall on his shoulders. We have a group of people, so, like, I do awards, like, okay, that's my... That's my cross to bear. I'll do awards. The next person, like my friend Nick, okay, you're doing tablets, getting them updated. You do scores. Okay, got it. He's got a support person. 
I need somebody to build stages. Okay, I've got this person. So it's like it's a group effort and a team. It's not just one person that has to do everything. Yeah. So that's been a really good culture for our, our club. Yes, that's a big one. I've seen that work pretty well. And the, the, the clubs that have like one guy does it and it's always that guy, that's not usually a good thing. Yeah. Either that person gets tired of it or that person turns into an asshole or sometimes I'm, both. I was just going to say, or both, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <that'd be> both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have a level two match at my club, uh, which is Eastern Nebraska Gun Club, next year called the Cornhusker Classic, which is sponsored by Ben Steger Pro Shop. Dude, I got roped into... I'm a match director, too. God damn. I know. It's going to be awesome. I got roped into that shit. Like, I didn't mean to, but it happened. Well, then I got roped into it, since you got roped into it. That is true. <laughs> That's funny. An offer you can't refuse. Yeah, it is. What I said was, I will build the match, the I will build the, the stages for the section match if you guys do it at my range, when it's convenient for me. And they're just like, cool, now you're going to be match director. And I was like, that's not really what I was going for, but... <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, I, good talk, Joel. Uh, Jason, let's talk about off-season training because we're going to interview you about all the serious shooting stuff for training group. But we want to talk about off-season right now. That's what I want to hear about. So tell me yeah. about it, Jason. Because you so, just finished uh, nationals. That's you were stressing about that for months, right? Yeah, I, mean, I was. Um, I was having some shoulder issues so i was stressing about it uh and the year's over uh i was looking forward to the end of the year i'm looking forward to taking um some some time off so um this year i think i'm going to try to really this off season i'm going to really try to take you know two weeks to maybe even a month off where i don't shoot uh i would like to even i was talking to jared fox earlier tonight about it i would like to even take a week or two off where i can just completely remove myself from shooting altogether I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Uh, I don't want to see anything about it. It'd, it'd be nice to be able to take a break. It, I don't know if that's going to be possible because, you know, anything you, anywhere you go now, you, your social media starts to, to kind of take over. So I basically have to do a blackout or, um, you know, go silent on that. But um, also, in sometime next year, I think I may take a little bit of a break uh, halfway through the season. Um to, just to kind of keep it fresh, um, it, it gets old quick and you kind of get, you know, this year might have been just a different story because of all the COVID stuff going on. But uh, mm -hmm. it's just easy for me to kind of just kind of, um, I don't know if overwhelmed or just annoyed. Annoyed is probably a better word for me. So I'm looking forward to taking some time off um, and then really, really uh, hitting next year hard with training and trying to make some um, – a lot of improvements so yeah. uh yeah and, and then you have to my area it gets cold and so it it, it is it's not like where y'all yeah. let, let me let me add to that it's not like where y'all are from yeah uh, like, tell me more <laughs> like but not like not like really actually cold but like oh it gets it gets 30 20 20s and 30s Bro, we had a stretch last year where it was like negative 15 for like 10 days yeah. it didn't do it's that like just as cold or colder where Ben's at. Yeah, it does do that. And uh, we don't get a lot of snow, but it's still kind of cold. And, you know, um, <laughs> what I found out is no matter where you're from, you kind of you kind of get used to it in a good way and a bad way, you know. And so when it gets cold for that area, you kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, my goodness, it's cold. I can't go outside and, and do anything. So but um, 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to taking some time off. I'm really going to try to take um, a, a real good break and just to kind of get fresh and, and maybe hit it real hard. Um, I don't want to take too long off. And what happens is I'm afraid that if I take a month off, I'll be fighting that feeling of getting reacclimated with everything. But I, you just, I know that if I do it, it'll come back. I and, think taking time off makes you better. I yeah. Do like taking it, I mean, because I used to just train all year, like year round, which was so dumb. Because I like when I took the training away for a few weeks and then started training again, I would have so much more energy and kind of a different perspective. Um, I always thought that was helpful. And, and I know someone that I think practices too much, and I've tried to say, hey, you might want to take a week off, a, a legit week off. And, and it's hard to do that for some people, but uh, it's not that hard for me to do. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. No, I, well, I do the same thing. I take it off season and then I take a, like a couple weeks off during the season also. Well, in this in next year, 2020 or excuse me, uh, 21 um, with production nationals being in, essentially is it in, not even the middle of the year? When did they uh, put it in May? Yes. Yeah. I'm not even like I'm not even looking at going. Yeah. It's not even a discussion for just because of the timing. It'd be like, no way. Right. Yeah, you're, think, yeah, you're already booked solid, I think. I'm already, yeah, like everything's already, like my, I just did my calendar. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not canceling six weeks worth of shit to like train for and then go to Nashville. Like I'm not doing that. It's just not going to happen. Didn't they do it one year where it was in May or June? It was early like yeah. this? No? Okay. So this is the first year that y'all can think of where it was like it, this? When it was a combined, like it was a standalone production nationals in 2015, it was in August. Wow. Okay. But it was actually truly standalone. It was yeah. just like just production nationals and it was separated, I think, by at least a couple months from everything else. So. Okay. Yeah. Was that a pass up then? It was. I went to that, I believe. Oh, well. Yeah. All good things must end, I suppose. So, yes, good. Are you ready to move on to some questions, gentlemen? We'll have yep. some fun. Because I got a couple that are fairly fun. And okay. So, one message One message was sent. Like, this guy sent a, a book email. But I'm going to read. You guys will get the gist of it. I'll just read some of it. Um, and you'll get, you'll get the idea pretty fast. My idea runs along. So, this guy's responding to the recent drama with with uh, the president of the organization and that sort of stuff. So anyway, he says, my idea runs along the lines of creating a new shooting organization. I understand from watching many of your podcasts, you have little to no interest, that's right, in serving in any capacity in the USPSA organization. I can understand and respect that. I pass this idea on to you because maybe you have contacts that a profile support that carries some way to coordinate efforts into creating something new and different. That's reason. It would be a bit hostile in what I'm proposing, but I think it would create a better product in the end. I think I think you and I agree the shooting part for the most part of the sport does not need much change, maybe some consistency in applying the current rules and uh, whatever. Okay, so he wants to create a new rule set and create a new organization, blah, blah, blah. So you get the idea. Any reaction to this, gentlemen? It's okay if there's not. Be, I don't know if it would work. I'm going to read some it'd be more. tough to I'm do. Gonna, I'm going to read, I'll read another paragraph. <laughs> Starting a new organization from scratch would be super difficult, especially with USPSA having such a stronghold on the current market in the U.S. The hostile part of this is getting practice. I don't, I mean, he has references to practice score a lot. I'm not sure why this is important. 
Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, whatever. I don't, like, nothing fundamentally changes this. Like, what, what the guy's writing here. Yeah, you don't know that it could work, Mr. Jason. Why not? I mean, well, there's already two, you know, shooting sports. Um, so I think there's some, more than two. Well, yeah, right, yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm, so some would say if you don't like one, go shoot another. Um, okay. Starting your own one up, how would you get? I mean, it just it, it to me it seems like a, such um, a large task. I don't think this guy's really talking about starting his own. I okay. think he's talking about kind of taking the good part of USPSA and like getting it under different management somehow. That's essentially what he's talking about. So he'd be talking about like like the type of organization where it'd be like, hey, okay, you have your own rule book, but it's basically USPSA's rule book. And then it's like, oh, we use USPSA targets and um, USPSA classifications carry over and your club can affiliate for free and you won't pay classifier fees. It'd be one of those type of deals. You get what I'm saying? So it'd be a, like, I guess the selling point would be your club would be doing the same thing, but just not paying for it, I suppose. So I, I'm, I'm a little confused on how that's going to work on a couple levels. Um, Great, go ahead. Yeah, I, <laughs> so like, ha, ha, first of all, I, I would have a feeling that that's not going to jive good with the, the organization who you're basically no. using all their stuff. This, well... No, they wouldn't like it. I don't think they'd have a very good legal avenue with which to come at you. No, but I mean, yeah, I, I can't yeah. imagine they'd like that. They're not gonna like it. Two, no. <laughs> if there's no, if there's no money, if 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 this new club or new organization doesn't charge anything, who's gonna do all this work for free? There you go. It's ha so it like that's that'd be the only selling point. Was like it'd be, hey, why would we do this for free? So like the 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 free part would be temporary, I imagine, just for a few years until they would build some apparatus to take money and to do the services that people want. Yeah. I don't I'm not saying this is a good idea. I'm right. saying this is what this guy is proposing. Well, I mean, if you like competition, competition makes things better in, in some ways for, uh, you know, um, it, it could essentially if you have yeah. if you have more things to choose from, it could make someone else up their game. Um, so there may be something to that. I would tell this person start. Well, it. well, <laughs> uh, I think he's telling me to do it. Oh, well, there I don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think this is a good idea. I think it would take, um, it, it would take a catalyst event to make something like this, um, a popular idea. And it would like a big catalyst. Um, I'm not sure what that would be. And I'm not, and this would be a really divisive thing. Like this is not a really good thing divisive. To propose. <laughs> this yeah. would be this would be bad. But if it gets to this point, it would be it would require a catalyst event, something on the level of putting production nationals in May, but something that hit everybody that way. You yeah. know what I mean? It would have to be a big event. And then you'd also have to actually have the talent want to move to that new yeah. you know venue also, because if the talent stayed in USPSA, then it would. I think that would definitely. Uh, I imagine. Hurt, hurt yeah, I imagine the talent would stay. Would want to go wherever they can get, like important titles, which would be like, you know, it'd be like, does it'd be people shooting two things probably? Yeah, that's I probably do not true. Think, I do not think this is a good idea. Yeah, but it is an interesting idea. It's interesting. 
that's something that I'd want to do. Uh, I got a bunch of emails um, about DQs at major matches and like a percentage of DQs. So one email says, DQs happen to everyone. It's almost inevitable. But when 10% of the competitors at a major match get DQ'd, should that raise eyebrows on stage complexity, RO quality, or higher gun handling risk by competitors pushing the envelope when moving? Another email from a guy. I recently got disqualified at a major match along with over 10% of the competitors. I'm pretty upset about the situation because I was shooting. Um, I, I mean, you can imagine how this email goes. Um, that guy actually attached a video to his, which showed him, I would be honest, he got, he got fucked. Like, <laughs> he, he had a very overzealous RODQ him. Like, he'd, like, the, I, it's not often that you'll see a like, video and it's really definitive, but the video that this guy provided, it was from a top angle of the stage. It was very good video showing his muzzle angle, and he got stopped for a 180 break, and it was like, ooh, he got fucked on that. So anyway, um, you can imagine what the emails were like. So I got a bunch on this topic. So, guys, 10% of a match DQing, <laughs> what would your initial reaction be? Something's wrong. Yes, I, exactly. I mean, so, that, that should be everyone's reaction. Yeah, yeah. there's an issue, there's an issue somewhere. Wrong. Something's yeah. wrong. Exactly. It should very much have people's attention. And match management should be looking at that very, very carefully. Is that happening on all one stage? Is that a stage issue or is that an RO issue? Because if, no, what match management's going to do is blame people getting DQ'd for being unsafe and pretend that there's not a problem. Yeah. Would be my guess. I don't actually know that, but. It's like, hey, hey, Ben, if I uh, if I shoot this target from this position, is that a DQ? Is that past the safe angle? Well, if you break 180, I'll tell you. I'm like, oh, crying out loud. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so it's like, oh, great, we're doing one of those. One of those arrows. Okay, thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming. All right. I mean, is that controversial at all? Uh, that number's. That number jumps out at me, and not knowing any more than that, I would say I, I would start asking questions. I would ask, yes. yeah, okay, was this all on one stage? Was this, um, yeah, I would start asking questions. Well, Jason, you're very sensible because that, I mean, that is the, that's what I would say, at least that'd be in a reaction that everybody could agree on, where it's like, you get a bunch of DQs, you should be wondering why. <laughs> and it's, it should, we shouldn't have 10% of people getting DQ'd from a mass. This is not a good situation long term. All right. Is that all we have? You guys are not very, very excited today. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, but also, that's going to kill your match for the following year because people are going to have yeah. a bad taste in their mouth and they're not going to want to drive hours and maybe get a hotel to come back if they suspect something fishy is going on. So, yeah. All right. You guys aren't that chatty. Well, an, an, a wonderful podcast. Thank you for coming on, Jason. Thank Joel. you for having me. Listeners, if you have any questions you'd like the answer to, go to bensteger.com. Send me your questions. We'd love to take them. All right.